Hoody ho. Hey there, guys. Welcome to the show, which is episode 39. Um, this is with my friend Julie, who I've known over the years. Um, a lot of the interviews that I've done more recently, I don't, I've just met these people and becoming friends, but Julie, I've known for a long time. And I'm proud of her, and uh, we're just going to get right into our episode. And uh, yeah, guys, thanks for all your support. Podcast is getting, the numbers are going up, and it's just, uh, it's, it's awesome. So thank you guys, and uh, yeah, welcome my friend, Julie. Okay. All right, guys, we're back with another episode. This will actually be take two. Um, we tried to do this episode yesterday, but her little kid, your son, did not want to let us record. Um it's okay. Good thing is we can just start all over again. Um, so this episode is someone I've been trying to get. She uh, She's one of the more famous cases of the condition that I had, Stevens-Johnson syndrome. Uh, and her name is Julie. Hello. Hi, TJ. Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, of course. Um, so again, uh, how old were you when you got sh- uh, when you came down with SJS? I was 11 months old when I came down with Stevens-Johnson syndrome, and I had it to my anti-convulsant because I had pediatric epilepsy. Right. All right. Was your it was the what, what medication was it? Uh, phenobarbital. It's an anti-convulsant that is used to treat epilepsy uh, seizure disorders. Right. So you you had one condition that essentially caused another. That's yeah. That's correct. All right. Um. Okay, so take us through, well, actually, I guess we can do what we did before is, uh, you know, like, what were you like as far as, from what you remember as a child uh, before, you know, bef- you know, you don't have to go very beginning as you're, as a kid, but what were you like before SJS, and then, you know, how did it affect you uh, during? So, mentally. I was 11, I'm sorry, what? Men- mentally, I meant. Oh, okay, so... Before I had Stevens-Johnson syndrome, I was your typical normal baby. I um, was developing at a normal rate. I had uh, normal vision from what my mom has told me. Um, I, I was your normal child. And then at um, 10 months old, I had my first seizure. And then two weeks later, I had another one. And so that gave me a diagnosis of uh, pediatric epilepsy. And so they put me on the anticonvulsant in order to try to um, stop my seizures. About two weeks after starting that medicine, I developed Stevens-Johnson syndrome. And although I was too young to remember what it was like before having it, I certainly remember what it was like after. I, as a child, I had no idea what it was like to see out of both sides. I still don't. Um, I had uh, scars on my body, which were pointed out to me by kids when I was growing up. I was bullied quite a bit by my peers. They called me things like Cyclops, Blind Barbie. Um, I spent numerous, um, numerous times in the hospital and surgeries, um, procedures, things like that that definitely um, stand out in my mind. Even though, like I said, I can't remember what it was like beforehand, I certainly do remember what it was like after. Right, yeah. It's 
it's one of those things. I, I remember um, you know, even after we met, I just, you know, kind of kept in touch with your mom and we talked over the years and, and I remember how like you were, you were super shy and, um, you know, obviously a lot of the bullying and stuff had gotten to you and, you know, you can even tell from now, because uh, I hadn't, I haven't heard your voice in some, some years. Uh, and you could tell you're a lot more mature and you've, you know, definitely evolved over the years. <clears throat> um, but, uh, yeah. So, uh, what, what was the first day like when you were either diagnosed or, or when you started to show the effects from the medication? So when I developed Stevens Johnson syndrome, my mom told me that it was basically, um, I started out with a blistering rash and, uh, my eyes swelled shut. And so she took me to the pediatrician and they diagnosed me with chicken pox, strep throat, and a viral exanthrum and pink eye, which is a lot of stuff for a baby to have. Um, shortly after going to the pediatrician, my mom had, had taken me home. She's trying to give me a bottle and I was unable to drink it. So I ended up in the hospital where they obviously already knew that my pediatrician had diagnosed me with this slew of medical diagnoses that were incorrect and immediately started an IV and put, of course, the ascending drug phenobarbital to treat my epilepsy into the IV. So I ended up getting worse and worse. It wasn't until um, an amazing nurse that I had came in um, and said, this is not chickenpox. She has Stevens Johnson syndrome. And by that time I had already uh, been burned from the inside out. Um, I ended up spending 27 days in the burn unit and was burned over 80% of my body. Wow. Yeah. I don't, I don't know the percentages of mine. It was probably right around that same percentage. Um, from what you can remember or what you do know, uh, can you explain like, the excruciating pain of not having essentially any skin? So unfortunately, I can't remember that, or maybe that's not unfortunate. Maybe that's a really good thing that I can't. Because my mom said that they would put me into a mixing bowl, a little, like a silver mixing bowl, because it was really tiny, and they would put um, a cap of bleach and water, and they would debride uh, my blisters. And the only thing that they would give me to treat it was Tylenol. And she said, I would scream in agony as they, as they debrided me. And then they would take bandages that have been soaked in bacitracin and they would wrap me in them. And they would do this every couple of days to try to prevent infection and to try to promote healing of my skin. Right. It, that was the thing we talked about yesterday. You weren't sure if that's what they used, the acid tracing. Yeah. That's what they used on me too, to heal the skin. Um, yeah. So the one thing that I found interesting from yesterday's conversation is, and I'll let you tell it, but uh, you said they sent you home. So how did you get uh, taken care of as far as for your condition? So, yeah, I, most SJ's patients spend several months in the hospital. But unfortunately, my mom had just started a brand new job. And at the time, she was on probation for her new job. And so her insurance didn't kick in. 
So I ended up spending 27 days in the burn unit. And while I was in there, my mom's insurance kicked in. But at that point, my Stevens-Johnson syndrome was considered to be a pre-existing condition. So it was not covered by the insurance. So my mom ended up getting one lesson on how to put a feeding tube in. And she took me home and she ended up treating me for several months afterwards for my Stevens-Johnson syndrome. Yeah, that's true dedication there that's a that's a mom Um, oh yeah she did an amazing job how many how many months did that go on for your care with her um from what i remember her telling me i think it was like probably a good like four months before um she was able to really get me um to the point that she could have other people watch me so that she could go back to work part-time right did she have a job, like a home, working from home, or did, was it? Did, could she leave you for a while and and come back? Uh, she was a travel agent, so she had to go to work. So if um, she had to leave me, it was my grandmother who would take care of me. But my mom was the one that knew how to put the feeding tube in, how to take care of the blistering rash, and how to treat that at home. So um, she wouldn't leave very long if she did leave at all. Right. Did she have to order a lot of, you know, whatever the bandages, like, did she have to order, you know, whatever the uh, uh, necessities that you needed for at least medically? Afterwards, I ended up getting Medicaid after um, uh, um, having Stevens Johnson syndrome. I ended up finally qualifying for Medicaid. And so a lot of that stuff ended up being paid through them, but she would have to call and get that um, taken care of. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like I said, you know, as we talked yesterday, like SJS is it's still a very rare condition that a lot of people don't know about. Um, but, you know, it, it, I think it's starting to get a little more light towards it, but it's still, we still have ways to go before we, you know, because there's still a lot of people getting, you know, misdiagnoses over, you know, uh, like you said, chick, uh, the other day. <clears throat> Uh, I think you got the same one I did, uh, chicken pox. Uh, and people get all different types of whatever, skin rashes or whatever, and in general, it's they kind of chalk it up to something minor, and then it ends up being much worse, than, and, and that's how it kind of carries over, and things get a lot worse for you. Yeah, so it's, it is believed that Stevens-Johnson syndrome by the medical professions, professionals, that it is a rare disorder when in fact it is not rare. The problem is, is that there is no mandatory reporting system for Stevens-Johnson syndrome. So doctors can voluntarily report it or people can go onto the Stevens-Johnson syndrome foundation's website and hit the link and they can report it, but they're, they're not required to do so. And most medical professionals are taught that they're never going to see a case of this in their lifetime. So they automatically jump to other diagnoses like chicken pox or measles or hand, foot and mouth disease when in fact that's not it at all. And sometimes by the time people get these diagnoses of Stevens-Johnson syndrome, it's too late. Right. Um, what effects do you still have these many years? How old are you again? You said, was it 27? Correct, yeah. So, so I am obviously it's it's been a, it's been basically I I had to deal with the side effects of my Stevens Johnson syndrome my entire life. So I am visually impaired. 
I have low vision in my left eye and I'm blind in my right eye. I have scarring in my esophagus. I have um, scarring in my ears, so I don't have any cilia. Those are the little tiny ears that are used to move the earwax out. And so um, I have to go in every like six weeks and they debris my ears um, at um, an ear, nose, and throat specialist. Um, if they don't do that, the earwax gets impacted and then I can't hear. Um, I do have scarring on my skin, which um, I avoid going out in the sunlight and stuff to prevent um, sunburns and stuff because I am, I am very sensitive to the sun. I, I have photophobia, which most people think means I'm afraid of getting my picture taken. That's not what right. photophobia is. Right. <laughs> it's a, photophobia is sensitivity to light, and that's due to the um, Stevens-Johnson syndrome. I have uh, dry eye syndrome, so my cornea and my eye gets very dry. So I have to use eye drops. I have um, special lenses, um, scleral lenses that are filled with saline that I put in my eyes to help um, with the photophobia, the dry eye syndrome, and kind of help to improve my vision. Right. Yeah, I've gotten them as well. It's weird. It's almost like a mirroring, um, a mirroring of my life because makes everything you just said. I, other than the ear stuff, I don't think I have any. I, I guess you know what? Now I think about it, I I have had some problems with like my ear kind of getting blocked, just the one ear, my right ear. But overall, I don't have that problem for for the most part. Um, but everything else you just said, yeah, that's basically exactly everything I've had to go through. Um, yeah, it's. It can do a lot of damage. Um, do, have you ever had this? And and, and as we talked yesterday, that uh, our photophobia gets has gotten better over time. Um, but I, when I was a kid, it was you know maybe within a year from uh, coming to succumbing to SJS. But I they would shine lights in my eyes, you know, as eye doctors normally do, and I would sneeze all over the doctor. Like how- uh, that happens if I look into the sun, but I think that's a pretty normal reaction uh, to light. I know that um, with growing up with SJS, yeah, my, my photophobia has gotten better. It's not nearly as bad as when I was little. We used to live with the blind shot, the light. I lose you? Yeah, sorry about that. I think it was my phone. You can start it back up. Uh, You're good. You're I don't good. Know Go where ahead. We, left off. Um, where- we were talking about photophobia and, and, and how I sneezed on the doctor. Oh, yeah. So um, basically, um, I think it's very normal for somebody to sneeze at bright light. Like if I go out in the sun, I'll do that. Or even like I have a 20 month, uh, 20 month old baby. If he goes outside and he looks at the sun, he sneezes. So I think that might be normal. I, I don't know. But um, definitely, like you were saying, that your photophobia got better as you grew up. Um, mine has done that as well. Um, when I was younger, we used to live basically in the dark with the blinds closed. I would have a hat on. The lights would be off. I'd have sunglasses. Um over time, I think that my mom exposed me a little bit more and more to light to try to help with that, which I think has really done the trick. That and the um, scleral lenses that I wear, 
really help with the photophobia if I don't have them in versus having them in. It is a lot worse when I don't have them in. Um, I still wear sunglasses outside. I still wear a hat if I have to. Uh, the light still hurts my eyes. There's nowhere near as bad as when I was younger. Right. Um, can you tell me how you, and again, I, I know because I've seen your pictures and I used to do the same thing. How, how did you wear your hat to protect you from the light? So I would wear uh, my hat um, basically pushed down further on my head so that the light wouldn't um, be able to, you know, reach my eyes. Or if I needed to, if I was in school and lights were really bright, you know how they've got like those like fluorescent lights. Right. I would take my hat and I would wear it over um, my blind eye because that eye is more sensitive to light than so, my yeah. good eye is. Yeah. Did you ever used to walk into things? Yeah, I I, I used to. Um, if I wasn't, um, you know, able to see well at the time, and my vision when I was younger tended to fluctuate a lot. So one minute I could see well, the next minute I could be like legally blind in my um, good eye. So I would run into things. Sometimes I still have a tendency of doing that. Not nearly as often, but that's um, a matter of lack of depth perception. <laughs> no, yeah. I meant as far as with the hat thing, because I used to walk into like poles and stuff. Cause I'd pull the hat down just as you said. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause it would, it would, it would, basically block your the good vision because i would do the same thing it would cover my left eye which was my bad eye and then it would but it would be so far down to the left you know be covering my left eye but the the brim would be you know in my peripheral of my right my right eye which is my good eye and i would just walk into stuff well i i i think i probably did do that at one point or another i know that when i was in kindergarten my uh, kindergarten teacher walked me into a wall Oh, wow. And um, I hit the side, obviously, on my blind side because I didn't see it. And she called my mom, like, so upset that she thought that she had blinded me. <laughs> and my mom made it into a, you know, comedy moment and laughed about it. But Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. Um, how did the, you know, going to school and dealing with all, how did, how did the bullying affect you, at least for so much time? Because I remember having a conversation with you way back when and you were I mean you were way more you were extremely shy but you can tell like you know a lot of that had gotten to you and and, you know you were I wouldn't even say insecure because we're all insecure but you were you know extremely uh kind of afraid of of just bonding with people and so on and uh I think I could tell that you were I didn't know about the bullying that much but um from what you have told me I could did it really take a, a toll on you at some point? Because it did for me. Uh, it did. It did. It, 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 took a, it took a tremendous toll. Uh, the first time I realized that there was something different about me was when I went to kindergarten. And um, this kid in my class pointed out that there was something wrong with my one eye. And I remember I went home and I looked at myself in the mirror. And then I went back out into the living room and I looked at my mom. And then I went back into the bathroom and I looked at myself in the mirror and I went back out and I looked at her. And it was the moment that I realized that I was different. Prior to that, my mom and my family, they never treated me like anything was wrong with me. I always did everything that every other child in my family did. All my cousins did things. I did them too. It, it was not something that, um, you know, 
I, I was allowed to be like babied about, or, you know, it was, if you're going to ride a bike, you're going to ride a bike, you know? Um, so I didn't know until I started school and the things that kids said to me all the way up till I graduated from high school were absolutely horrible. They called me Cyclops, Blind Barbie, Half Sight, Evil Eye. They, they were horrible, horrible things. Um, I had a girl uh, when I was a senior in high school who tried to beat me up, um, yelled Cyclops down the hallway. Like it, it, it was definitely very traumatic. Um, no matter how much I reported it, um, it seems like they got away with it. You know how kids are. They do things behind adults' backs. So a lot of times they didn't get caught doing so. But it did. It had a tremendous impact on me. And I was very shy when I was younger. And I tended to not really um, open up to people or, um, you know, have big conversations and things like that. But I have to say, um, with my mom running the SJS Foundation, um, it certainly helped me to uh, be able to speak about it and be able to speak to other survivors. And um, I started teaching people about what SDS was when I was in uh, elementary school. I did a science fair project on it to try to get the kids in my class to understand that I was born just like them with two, you know, working eyes and that I took the medication that made me very sick. And this was why I, I was the way I was. And ultimately, that ended up leading to me becoming a teacher and um, the director of the SGS uh, Kids Support page now. Awesome. Did, um, were you in, like, because I kind of, you know, I had dealt with a lot of the same thing. Did you, because I graduated kind of right as the internet was taken off and in a sense of, like, social media, like Facebook and MySpace, and that was around, but it wasn't what it is today. Uh, I graduated in 08 and it, it kind of, you know, yes, the bullet. And again, I didn't really get bullied in high school, but <clears throat> in middle school and preschool, there was a lot of that. And I, you know, it, it helps now because bullying now is so much worse in my opinion, because you can't escape it. You can't go home because somebody will just add you on some page or, or whatever. Uh, and you know, they might have a picture of you on Instagram that you didn't even know they took or whatever like did, did you escape that or were you did you have to deal with that as well as far as the bullying I so I graduated in 2011 so at that point Facebook and social media were very popular platforms I did end up having to deal with some online bullying um and there was a, a time when I was in high school where I was in a play it was uh, Joseph and Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat and one of the other cast members in the play at the school made this uh, album called Beautiful People. And there was a picture of every single person in the entire cast of the play. They had taken headshots of everybody. The only person that they left out was me. Right. And this person, he had picked on me quite a bit uh, for my eyes. And it did. It hurt. It hurt really bad. But as I, you know, grew up and, you know, got away from high school, I realized that that has nothing to do with me and what, what I think of myself that has to do with them and their insecurities. And obviously they, they have some insecurities and some issues with themselves that they would think that it's okay to bully somebody on social media. I know that um, there's been times where people have taken my baby picture of me with SJS and they've said that I was a baby um, with 
AIDS or a baby born of a sexually transmitted disease. Um, definitely not true. Um, it's, it's hard when you see your, your picture on social media and people are making fun of it. Right. But um, people hide behind the internet to do that kind of stuff. And so if anybody is going through that, they should just know that it has nothing to do with them. It has to do with the person doing it and their insecurities. Right. And I think it probably hit you a lot harder than it did me because being a girl, like, you know, the idea of wanting to be pretty and, and you know, all the popularity, everybody kind of tries to get some of that in some shape or form. But um, you can kind of still get a buy with being a guy and, and be, you know, OK. But like a girl, like especially at that age and high school and middle school, like that could be so rough because, you know, you know, you got proms and all that and you got so much shit that's thrown at you. And it's like if you don't look a certain way or whatever, you know, people just they won't let you let they'll make sure, you know, they're not going to let up. Um, and I know a lot of people deal with bullying and, and, you know, who don't even have disabilities. They're just overweight or, or whatever, short or whatever it is. So imagine on someone like you who actually has something uh, a lot more visible where people can just pick a target. I mean, they'll make fun of you because you have a weird name. But if you have something that visible, you know, people are going it, to, it's just like unlimited ammo and, and they don't let up. And then, of course, years and years later, either karma gets them or, or at some point they go grow into adulthood and then they have a kid and something happens to that, their child or something or whatever, someone they're related to. And then they kind of, for the most part, then they realize some of the shit that they did way back when and stuff they have to live with. So, yeah, it, it, is, it is difficult to um, definitely be a female growing up um, in a world where there's all these, um, you know, standards of beauty that you are supposed to meet. Um, one of the hardest things for me when I was younger was um, the whole concept of makeup and how all these other girls were wearing eyeliner and stuff. And they would make fun of me because I'm missing eyelashes on my one eye because it was taken off during surgeries and stuff like that. So they would make fun of me because I didn't have eyelashes and I couldn't really wear eyeliner and all this other stuff. And it, it does, it does make it difficult. Um, but as I've grown up, I grown up, I've learned how to do, um, do my makeup in ways that uh, it's okay. I've learned that, you know, beauty standards are um, just, you know, they're from other people in our society really just, they really emphasize on that and they really shouldn't. It shouldn't matter what a person looks like. It should matter what they, what who they are on the inside versus you know what they look like on the outside. Yeah, especially when something you can't help, something that and, and, and you know and I remember I would see pictures of you and I'm like, wow, oh, she's a pretty girl. Like it's not even like, again, maybe it's just because I'm seeing from, you know, whatever my eyes or whatever. I don't mean like visually, but just in general, I, I, I have a more open mind, um, and and I I've, I've adapted this stupid slogan that you know the people who see the least see the most and a lot of times it's not about what you can and can't see there's times people will say like oh did you see that picture of me or whatever and it's like yeah it's like oh i look like crap because i had this pimple or i had and i'm like i couldn't see it so who gives a shit like and i'm like who cares like why do you care so much like um sometimes not having great vision is also a good thing it's as weird to say but um because you and you pick up on a lot more and you realize things and 
you know, people out here just doing cruel and say, doing cruel things and saying cruel things. And, you know, of course, a lot of it comes from insecurities and, you know, whatever. God knows that's happening to them at home or wherever. Um, so it, 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 it I don't know. I, I, it, it's toughened me up over the years. And I also grew up in Philly, which was a rough city. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I obviously don't take that from anyone anymore. But, you know, it's it's stuff you'll never forget because it it's stuff that kind of will probably always sit in the back of your mind where it's like there's days where I don't feel the most attractive and sometimes it just kind of sits there and it's just this stupid inner voice that's just going, yeah, remember your eyes are messed up and it's like, uh, really? Like, um, like how, how was your, how was your mental health like developed over the years? Has it gotten better or gotten worse? I think it's gotten better. Um, when I was younger, I was very hard on myself. Uh, because of how people made fun of me. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Wonder. Uh, about It's about a boy with a disability. He's born, he's got um, like a genetic defect, and he his face looks different from his peers. And it tells a story about how when he goes to school and how his peers treat him. When I watched that movie, it was literally like watching my childhood. Um, definitely... It, 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 it affected me quite a bit, um, the kids making fun of me and stuff like that. I, I was very depressed when I was younger. Um, I've learned basically not to really care what people think of me. Like, that's their problem, not mine. Um, I think being a teacher really does help with that because I've been able to advocate for kids that have been bullied or that are being bullied, and I make sure to stand up for those kids. And I, I try to put a stop to that to the best of my ability. Right. Yeah. I'm gonna have to watch that movie too. Um, yeah, it's part of the reason why I do this. Like it's, um, I think I got like seven episodes in, you know, I told a lot of my SJS stuff and my schooling and a lot of the abuse and stuff that I went through. And, and then of course I started finding other people with disabilities and so on. But, um, there was a, a part where I just, you know, I realized that the mental health stuff meant so much more to me in, in some ways because it, it's always, like, if you went through a lot of the early episodes, like, the kind of overall theme was, like, mental health, and it's like, okay, so at some point I felt like I had to address it and talked about, you know, some of my darkest days, and I still kind <clears> of <throat> come back to it. And, you know, I always like to ask people, um, you know, like you who have been through a lot of shit and ask them, you know, where their minds were and, and how they felt because, you know, a lot of people don't like to admit their worst days, but the only way you can, you know, come out of that is, I mean, obviously one hearing other people's stories, but, um, is dealing with those inner demons and actually coming on the other side of it. Cause there's a lot of people that don't make it through high school because of they're just done. Like they, they can't take the abuse anymore. Um, and it doesn't have to necessarily be the kids. It could be stuff at home too, but, um, you know, but the more people that speak out about it, um, the better, because the only time people really want to talk about mental health is like when someone shoots up a school or, you know, somebody does something so outlandish that it's like, oh, okay, clearly they're, they're mental, but we all deal with it. Everyone, not just people with disabilities. We all deal with some form of it. Um, and, and, you know, talking to someone like you, you clearly dealt with depression and, and I'm sure some anxiety and all that. And it's like, you know, how couldn't you? 
you know, you, you look what everything you've been through. I, I, I agree. I think that, um, the best way to deal with, um, you know, anxiety or depression or difficult times, the best thing you can do is talk about that because if you keep a bottle up inside, then eventually you are going to, you know, reach your breaking point. And I think that's one of the things as, um, you know, a young adult I had to learn was that it's okay to talk about it. It's acceptable to, to, you know, to say, Hey, this is what I went through. And the more you talk about it, the, the better off you're going to be because you're getting that, that weight off of your chest and you're letting it go. Of course, you're always going to deal with, you know, um, memories and stuff like that. But at least then you have, you know, you're allowed to talk about it. And you know, when you talk about it with other people that you're not alone. And I think that's probably one of the things as a society that we need to do better is to, you know, be accepting of the fact that, we're, we're all human. We all go through things and it's, it is totally okay to talk about it. And if somebody is struggling with depression or anxiety or whatever, it is okay to, you know, go to the doctor and speak about it and to, um, to get help for that. And it, it shouldn't be, you know, seen as like a bad thing that somebody is depressed. It, it should be seen as, okay, they're admitting it and they need help. That's, that's a good thing that they're, they're getting help for that. Right, right. Uh, of course, yeah. It's it's just like I said. There's a lot of people out there that are just suffering mentally, and you know, it's always good to hear other voices that are going through it. You know, a lot of the people who have reached out to me over the eight months I've been doing this, or whatever it's been, seven and a half. You know, a lot of people reach out to me about a lot of the mental health stuff because it's, you know, there's so many people that are in their, you know, they're hanging on by a thread and they're trying to find a way out of their darkness and. You know, it's it's good to hear familiar voices, people that have battled it. And, you know, I'm sure you're never going to be out of the woods officially, and neither will I. But, you know, we're in better places, and we're less likely to end up on the wrong side of uh, where our mind tries to take us. Um, but um, so you said something back, uh, some of the things I wanted to talk about. So you were talking about your, your lashes um, and this is something I've discussed. Uh, tell me why, what your lashes do and then what you did to get rid of them. So, um, my eyelashes on my left eye, which is my good eye, have been removed, um, on the top and the bottom. And then on my right eye, which is my bad eye, I don't see out of, um, I have lashes on the top. They're in like horrible, like clusters and on the bottom, I don't have any. And so my eyelashes were actually removed with cryosurgery um, and a couple of other different procedures. The reason why doctors remove eyelashes from Stevens-Johnson syndrome patients is because the eyelid starts to turn in on SJS patients. Why it does this, I'm not exactly sure, but it does. It turns in. And with this, the eyelashes um, grow inward and they become like, you know how like a cat's whiskers are? They're like rough. Right, right. And pointy and pokey. That's how the eyelashes on an SGS patient grow. So then they start to curve in, and those lashes actually start to scratch and damage the cornea. And so a lot of doctors prefer to remove those. And so mine have been removed in order to try to protect and save the vision that I have in my left eye. 
And that was done over numerous um, operations and surgeries and stuff to try to get those to to go away. Um, I still do have to go into the doctor every once in a while, and they'll go and they'll they'll pull some of those eyelashes that tend to grow back. I don't have many, but every once in a while, I will I will get one, and I can feel it right away when right. I get one, and they they will pull it. Yeah, same here. Yeah, see, I had that. I had um I had that done once. And then I've done more recently. I've got had them electrocuted, which I was telling you yesterday, just where you can smell your hair burning or the lashes. But it's, other than that, like it's just a quick, you know, you're wide awake and it's just a little needle that goes in your upper lid. It just, they kind of roll it around a little, numbs it up. And, you know, they just, uh, you know, shine this light in your eyes and you've got to try to force your lid shut. And at some point the, the lid will swell up, but it, 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 it's still bearable. It's better than the cryo. Um, and it sounds better than the cryo. Yeah, it is. is um, what, what, I, yeah. Tell me what you told me yesterday as far as um, what happened to you when you got the cryo to your eyes. So the last cryo procedure I remember, I was um, in elementary school and I think it was like eight or nine maybe at the time. And I remember them taking me back for the surgery and being absolutely terrified which part of that is uh, PTSD from having so many surgeries. And afterwards, when I got out, my eyes were so swollen, I couldn't even open them. Like they were so swollen shut, couldn't see. So my mom took um, a stick off of the Swiffer and actually used that to get around the house um, as if it was a cane, because at the time I didn't have one. And then my baby sister at the time was probably, I don't know, two or three. And um, she pretended to be my guide dog and tried to help me get around the house because my right, eyes were right. so swollen from it. It One of the most painful surgeries I think I've ever had was the cryo. Just the pain and trying to open your eyes after that. Um, the recovery was quite painful as well. Right. There was a, uh, I, I've learned to kind of make fun of some of my pain and so on. But uh, I once took a picture and I did a side-by-side of me getting out of that and a cryo. And I put it next to a picture of one of the Rocky movies where his eyes were all beat up and swollen. And it, it, it looked pretty similar, honestly. Uh, actually, it was worse, really. But, um, yeah, it, it's really, really painful. And I, I woke up out of surgery, and I was I immediately wanted to grab my face, and they had to grab my hands. Like, no, 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 no. Um, there was a lot of ointment. And just It took forever to recover. Um, but, yeah, our lashes, yeah. our lashes, I mean, they're the worst because they, they constantly just – it, it, all it takes is one and it just, it does this little, like, just like, just does this little scrape over and over. And the more you rub your eyes or you, you try to pull it or try to play with it, it just, it does more damage and you can, you can feel it. And it's not like a crazy painful yeah. feeling. It's more of an annoyance. And then your eyes start to blur up and get red. And, uh, it's, it, it's really a pain in the ass. Um, the only funny story that I've heard is a, a doctor I don't know if they were SJS patient, but apparently their eyes or their, their lashes did uh, scratch. They curled under. So he had somebody perm his lashes. Um, I, I didn't. Yeah, I don't I don't know. But apparently it worked. Uh, yeah, the straightest lashes possible. But um, I don't I highly doubt it's an SJS patient because ours constantly grow back. And then they're there uh, for me. I don't really my lashes. I, I think I'm pretty good now. No, none, uh, none of the ones that are still remaining curl under. It's the ones that these they, they call them uh, lanugal. I think that's the term. 
mm-hmm. or some something like that. Probably, I'm probably uh, messing that up, but uh, Lanugo, I think that's what it is. And there are these little ghost lashes that are not even really lashes. They're just these little tiny things that just kind of grow under there. And they don't really do yep. a whole lot of damage, but it's like over time, like after, like if you leave them in for six, seven months, that's when it really causes damage. But, you know, you can let them go for a while and they'll be all right. They're not as bad as the, the, the big ones that really, your real lashes that grow under. Um, so I go probably, I probably don't need to, but I go once a month just to get them checked out and. I just got it done the other day, and I just got two pulled, and I'm out of there. Um, but, yeah, it's amazing what your lashes could – the damage they actually can cause. Yeah. Um, is, is it what, from what your mom told you or what you know, what, is there any other surgeries that you can remember that you had done? So I've had over 20 surgeries. We've lost track of the amount that I've had. Um, a lot of surgeries that I had um, more recently were um, – uh, mucous membrane grafts and so what they do with that is they take um, a graft from the inside of your mouth tissue and they replace the skin or the tissue underneath your eyelid with it and the reason why they do that is because as just um, patients eyelids tend to become rough like sandpaper and so every time you blink it essentially does damage to the eyelid to the eyeball and the cornea and so I've had several of those done. Um, and then they take and they put a symblephron ring in, and that's to keep your eyelid and um, your eyeball from growing together, which actually did happen to me when I was like 14. One of the first uh, uh, mucous membrane grafts they gave me, they actually had to cut my eyeball and my eyelid away from each other because they had grown together from the scarring. And so um, I've had several of those in order to uh, prevent any more damage to my eyes um and that also allows me to wear my scleral lenses without doing that surgery i probably wouldn't have been able to have my scleral lenses because there wouldn't be enough room underneath the eyelid for that lens to be able to sit there right um question i wanted to ask you and i i'm i'm pretty sure i'm remembering this right you got sjs a second time didn't you it wasn't as bad but no thank god it wasn't as bad um I had it again when I was 19 to um, amoxicillin. Yeah, that's mine. And I had taken, yeah, the same medication you did. And I had taken the full, like, 10-day course of amoxicillin. And, like, literally, like, I think it was, like, a week later, I was sitting in church with my mom. I was 19 at the time. And I said, my throat really hurts. I think I have strep. And she said to me, you can't have strep. You were just on amoxicillin. That's not possible. And literally that night I ended up with um, developing a rash. I had uh, uh, some blisters. wasn't nearly as bad as the first time, but that's because we, we caught it early, like really, really early. I did spend some time, in the, a little bit of time in the hospital where I was treated with um, steroids to try to help it. Mm. But I, I did end up with it a second time. Yeah, remember, because me and your mom were talking a lot back then and she was on the phone and you were in the background. I could tell she was really panicked about it. She, she, she was pretty much 99.9% sure it was SJS again. And it was something she didn't want to see you go through. Um, uh, they have a lot better ways of uh, preventing it now, right? Like when you get it, um, there's not, I mean, there's, so, yeah. 
they now they have different ways of treating SJS. So before it was just, you know, supportive care. But now they use, um, in some cases, steroids, which actually, uh, not prevent, but like suppress the symptoms. But once people are tapered off of them, the the symptoms of SJS occur. Um, They're not nearly as bad from my understanding. They also have what's called IVIG treatment, which is used. It's used within um, the first like couple of days of the Stevens Johnson symptoms developing people they're they're not dying from it they're not they're not coming out with you know these horrible side effects like we have like they're walking out of the hospital almost as if they didn't have it and that's from the IVIG but that's if it's been diagnosed in the right time frame for them to be able to get that treatment right have you um yeah which which is great like that's I mean you know it sucked for us but you know it's good for anyone that down the road that gets it and um because you don't wish that on anyone um have you had any damage from steroids over the years because I've, I've taken so many eye drops that now in later in life I have to be careful because my scar tissue is it, it's so bad that they can't check my pressure um and a lot of and, and one of the things that causes your pressure to go up in your eye is steroid drops and I was taking so many FM, uh, was it FML and whatever. There's so many I was taking. Um, have you had any damage or, or anything caused from just all the drops and steroids you've taken over the years? So I, um, my mom didn't really um, want me on a lot of medications for my eyes because of the fact that obviously steroids can cause your pressure to go up, which can cause glaucoma, which is a whole other problem within itself, which just sounds like something that happened to you um but um from the drops that they had given me growing up you know steroids antibiotic drops different things to treat my eyes um the saline drops i ended up with called a calcification scar on the bottom of my left eye like right over the pupil and basically that is from calcium or preservatives collecting underneath my cornea and so that's one of the damage um damages side effects of those drops and stuff that, um, you know, they use to try to help treat my SJS. But I, I've never ended up with um, glaucoma or anything, my pressure going up. But um, right. that's due to the fact that we don't, we don't use the steroids unless it's absolutely necessary, which they've learned over the years that in large doses and over long periods of time, like you were saying, it can, you can end up with glaucoma and your pressure going up because of that. Right. And there's other things. I don't have glaucoma, but like I do have this, maybe it's similar to what you have. It's, it's just like white spot on my eye. And when the glare yeah, that's, hits it. Yeah. That, yeah. That's, that's from, from the, uh, yeah, that's, that's from the, uh, the preservatives and the medication that caused that. Right. And then in, in one of the things like, so some, one of the things that happens to me is like my blood, like, uh, with my blood vessels, they kind of, they're very, they protrude out to a certain degree. And so you need, for me, I actually have to take at least a, one steroid. So I take one drop of Lodamax, which is kind of like the smallest, uh, it's, it's one of the lower, uh, dosages as far as, uh, steroids. It's, it's one of the least of, uh, I mean, it's effective, but it's not some of the top of the ones that can really do a lot of damage. So I only take one drop and it actually does help, but I used to be on so many that, you know, uh, I got off them a 
you know, I guess enough time and luck passed that I, I just it didn't do what it could have done. Um, what was I going to ask you? Uh, yeah, I mean, and again, it's just <clears throat> it's, a, it, it's it's amazing a lot of the things that we, you know, I mean, SJS is just it's cost for medication and, you know, and all the things that have all the intake and everything I've taken over the years, like some of it has effects and you don't really think about it until you get older. And, um, and then it's like so much has been done and the doctor's like, well, that and that happened and this, and, um, there's some other things that's happened to me over the years. And it's just like, well, that's from when you were in the hospital and this and this and this happened to you. And it's like, Oh Jesus, like what else is going to happen to me from this? Um, but, uh, so what, what made you, what made you get into teaching? So uh, the reason why I became a teacher was because of the the bullying that I had um, endured as a child and um, educating people about Stevens-Johnson syndrome. I realized when I was younger that I had this uh, talent for educating people about SJS that maybe I had the talent to do it for, you know, children as well. And so... I became a teacher not only because I had that passion to teach, but I also did it because of all the bullying that I endured growing up. I wanted to make sure that I could be, you know, a positive role model and a positive influence for, for children. And I could actually put a stop to bullying and teach kids from a young age that, hey, you know, I look different, but look at what I'm doing. I'm teaching. And um, I've noticed with my students, um, it does teach them some respect for people that look different like myself um i've as a teacher i've been bullied by students that have been at schools i've worked at and my students they will stand up to me and they will say something and i think it's absolutely amazing to watch young children you know they know that hey that's my teacher don't talk about her like that you're really rude like and it teaches them from a young age hey you know it's not okay to make fun of people and that's that's exactly why I went into it was to be able to teach kids that, Hey, you know, even though I'm visually impaired and I had this thing happen to me that I could be a teacher. So you, you can be anything as well, regardless of whatever your background is or whatever problems or whatever you're facing in your life, you are capable of doing whatever you want to do. Right. Now, what kind of teacher are you? Elementary. Okay. Now, do, do, are do the you know because kids always have a lot of questions? Do they ask you about you know why you look so close to something or this and that? Like, do they have questions for you all the time. So yeah, um, at the beginning of each school year, I have a conversation with my students, and I say, "Hey, um, I'm going to be your teacher this year." And then I tell them, you know, so you might have noticed that my one eye looks a little funny, and they'll go, "Yeah, yeah, 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 it does," you know. And I'll say, so this is what happened to me. And when you try to explain it to children, you've got to be a little bit, you know, more sensitive about it because they are children. So I'll say to them, you know, I, I was very sick when I was a baby and they gave me some medicine and I was allergic to it. And that's uh, what, you know, caused my, my eye to look like this. It's like when you fall and, you know, when you get like a boo-boo or an owie on your knee and they're like, yeah. And then that heals and it, it, it it causes a scar, right? And they go, yeah. And I say, well, that's why my one eye looks like this because I got a boo-boo on it when I was little and it has a scar on it. And then kids, they don't really ask much after that. 
that's one of the things I absolutely love about children because once you give that explanation as to why something looks that way, they accept it. And it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's, and I did an episode, it's coming out in a few weeks, uh, interviewed a woman who teaches uh, special needs uh, children. And to me, special needs people and children, and it's, it's not to mock special needs people, but they're like, probably the people that we should want to be like, they're so simple. They just want, you know, they, they want gratification and so on. They want, you know, you to like them and, and, you know, but everything is so simplistic that, you know, they don't, they don't need a whole lot. You know, there's a reason why a kid could play with bubbles and it's like, they can have a, a damn good time. Um, whereas you get older and it's just like, you're more selfish and you need all these things. And, um, but as a kid, <clears throat> You know, they're just, you know, again, I'm not even a big kid person, but, you know, they're happy with the little things. And it's stuff that we, we, we give up when we get older. We don't seem to appreciate all the things that we have, such as you and I are lucky. We have some sight. May not be great, but we have some. And there's people that are blind and miserable or blind and happy, but they don't, they don't have the ability to see you know, their loved ones or, or, or whatever they're doing in life. And, and you and I are at least fortunate enough to be able to, to do some things like you can teach and, you know, and I'm doing things like this. Um, so it's, it, it's, I will say though, being whatever disabled or whatever word you want to use these days, you, you, you become a lot more empathetic to everyone else's problems, or at least in my case, um, you know, I, I tend to, look past a lot of things, which, you know, sometimes people can take advantage of that too. Um, but a lot of times I'm, I'm, I'm way more open-minded to things and, and I, you know, I, I see things, whether it's things that are so far away from what I am, like, you know, if it's someone who's homeless, like I have empathy for them. Like I really care and it does actually bother me. Um, and I, 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 some of that has to come with just struggling and going through all the things that I've went through over the years. Uh, and so that's why I don't look back and it was something I was going to ask you, like, do you, do you look at your SJS as like a curse or do you look at it as something in, in some way, kind of like a blessing, something that's kind of made you who you are now? So my SJS, yeah, it, it did. It did make me who I am. I, I don't know what I would be like if I didn't have it. I don't remember what it was like not to have it. And so it did, it, it shaped who I I've become today it helped mold me into the person I am and I I at least I hope I'm a very um, caring and compassionate person and um, I try to do what I can to help other people and it it is something that you know I, I literally I have no idea what what my life would be like if I didn't have it right yeah um Something I wanted to ask you, and I know you'll have a good answer for, forget the teaching. What is it like? I mean, you saw what your mom went through with you. What is it like having a kid yourself now and actually having to protect them? So when I was growing up, I didn't understand my mom at all. I was like, oh, goodness, you know, she's she's tough on me. She's caring with me. She's compassionate, like all these things that of course I was always thankful for, but I did not understand at all what that bond was like. And then I had 
my son, Patrick. He is 20, 20 months now. And he's absolutely the most amazing, sweetest, miracle baby. I, I thank God every day for him. Um, when Patrick was two months old, um, he had his first seizure. And it was after he had um, his first set of uh, AD vaccinations. And they thought it was because he spiked the temperature. And I mentioned to them then, you know, hey, I had epilepsy. Can we do an EEG? And they told me, oh, no, no, no. It's just a febrile seizure. He'll be fine. At six months old, Patrick developed uh, pediatric epilepsy. And, um, yeah, I had no idea what my mom had gone through. And he has literally given me insight as to what she felt like. And how difficult it is to be a mother of a child with a disability. It's, it is hard. And you would do anything for your child. Like Patrick, he is on an anti-seizure medication to control his seizures, which absolutely scared me because that's what I had my SS to was my anti-convulsant. He's obviously not on the same anti-convulsant, but he's on his second medication. His first one had some pretty bad side effects, uh, temper tantrums, uh, terrible behavior. Was like a zombie on it, and then um, they moved into this new anti-convulsant that he's been on, and I literally ended up putting him on the same diet that I was on, the ketogenic diet uh, for uh, epilepsy, and that's been the key to controlling my son's seizures. But literally, like I, I had no idea what my mom had gone through, and I look at now as a mother with new eyes and appreciation, like. My mother would have done anything for me, just like I would do anything for my little boy. And it is absolutely amazing to watch this child that, you know, you brought into the world grow and develop. And when you watch a child go through something like seizures or any medical condition, it's heartbreaking. You sit there and you feel so helpless. And so I am very thankful to my mom for everything that she did for me. She's absolutely an amazing person and she would do anything for anybody. Right. Yeah. I've had the pleasure, you know, you know, I met your mom, of course, but talking to her enough and, you know, she developed a bomb with my mom. Um, so she, yeah, I can say firsthand, she's definitely a great woman. Um, but I, I feel the same thing with my mother. Like, you know, I wouldn't have made it through what I did without her and, and my grandma to some degree as well. Um, did, did you, and there's only one, the only thing I can ask as a parent, cause I don't have any kids, but do you, did you have any guilt feeling like you passed that down to him? The epilepsy? I, I suffer with that every day. I cry about it all the time. I feel like I am responsible for it. Um, we're going through genetic testing right now to see whether or not he got his epilepsy from me or not. Um, the doctor's pretty sure that he did since I had it too. And I do, I feel pretty crummy about it but you know I I have to look at it you know genetics are genetics and there's nothing that I could do about it when I was pregnant with him I was told by my doctor it wasn't possible for me to have given him epilepsy I also was told before having him it was not possible with my SGS for me to have children so he's literally like a miracle baby in so many ways right and you should look at it like he was born in the right family. Like he was born with a mom. And again, I don't know. I don't know the father much, but he was born with a mother who battled epilepsy and had 
and, and, and a, a disability and someone who's going to be nurturing and care because there's parents that would look at that and just go like, oof, like this is a damaged baby. I know it's sad to say, but a lot of people look at it like that. Um, but you, like he, he had the perfect home to be born into where it's like, hey, my mom knows what this is like. And, you know, yeah, I mean, maybe it's some, maybe genetically you did pass it down, but you know what, like, you know, it, hopefully he grows into someone like you and, and you know, and, and you can teach him right and show him what it's like to have a disability and, uh, you know, and just to be caring and, and you know, just, just just hope he doesn't have to go through the rest of the things that you went through. Hopefully this it's, is just it. I, I, I do look at it that way that, you know, I, he was given to me for a reason. I, I was blessed with this beautiful baby boy. And when he had his like first seizure, I was in shock and I wasn't expecting him to have any more. And then at six months when he had his first like really bad grandma seizure, it was in the middle of the night. And, um, luckily my mom and I live in the same house. So she was there and she was able to say, you know what? Yeah. Julie, he's having a seizure. You just stay calm because it did panic me because he wasn't breathing and he was turning blue. And I, I am very lucky that my mom has the knowledge that she has and that I know that he is growing up in a family where he's going to be accepted regardless of whether he is cured of his epilepsy by the ketogenic diet or whether or not he has to live with it the rest of his life family that I live in they are not going to let that control him it's not going to let he's not going to be held back by it we are going to push him to be successful and to do everything that everybody else can do right um just kind of finishing up here so this is something uh I can say to you now and in hindsight like I said I'm very proud of you like what you grew up into because I I remember like I said I remember you as a kid and it was like you know, you were the shyest thing. Again, I wasn't much better. Uh, I was a little older, but, um, but I mean, well, like, thank you. yeah, of course. And, and because it's like, in, in the years I've talked to you, like you weren't this, uh, I, I definitely think obviously getting married and having a kid and obviously going to school and all the things that have kind of worked out for you. You know, I don't know if I would have predicted that for you years and years ago. Not that I ever wanted anything bad for you, but you know, I don't even know the right words to explain it. Cause I mean, it was all valid. These things that happened, you know, the reason why you were the way you were is because life just kicked you around. Um, and you didn't have it. You didn't have a fair start or middle. Um, but it's like what you've made of it. And you can tell like, you're so much, I don't even want to just say mature, but obviously you're, you know, so more intelligent and, you know, you can tell you actually developed into a woman, uh, you know, all these years later. So like I said, I, it's, it's very uh, awesome to see what you turned into. Well, thank you. I do appreciate that. And I do, um, everything that I've become and everything that I am today is thanks to my mother, because like I said before, she, she did not let the SJS or my epilepsy or anything that was going to hold me back. She literally, everything that I wanted to do, she pushed me to do. She encouraged me. I wanted to go to college. She said, okay, the application you're going to go to college and I I am very lucky in that manner that I had a mother that was able to push me 
to be um, a successful adult and member of society. And so I, who I am today, I, I am thankful. And it, it is all because of her and what she did in order to make sure that I could be this person. Everything that she sacrificed, everything that she did, molded me into the person that I am today. Right. That's awesome. Um, so when I do put this episode out, I'm going to, I'll, I'll get your website and, you know, for SJS information for anyone who wants to use it. Uh, so I'll get all that, put it in the description and all that. Um, so I'll ask that I'll get that from you or your mom at some point, but, um, I was going to give that to you now if you would like. Well, I, I actually need, I'll need the link. So, I mean, you, you could say it, but before you say it, um, can you just give any, just, you know, for those, for anyone out there that's either worried or, or thinking they may have it or whatever, like, do you have any just basic information or just things to just kind of, you know, maybe put somebody's thoughts to rest or just, just any basic information about SGS that you think could help someone out there? So, um, yeah, Stevens-Johnson syndrome is an adverse reaction to medication because by any medication, it is also believed that it could possibly be from certain viruses. We don't have much information on that. Um, if you are experiencing a rash from medication, uh, that's the highs, blistering rash, uh, swelling in your eyes, um, any blistering in your mucous membrane areas, then uh, you should contact your primary care physician or go to a hospital. Uh, there is a fact sheet on the website, uh, the Stevens Johnson website, that's sjsupport.org. And there's also a uh, uh, fact sheet for kids, which is, which is sjskidsupport.org. And there's information on there for people uh, that have suffered from it, with the side effects and other information there as well. We also have information on the sjsupport.org website about the uh, COVID-19 vaccination. We've been getting a lot of calls at the Stevens Johnson Center Foundation about that. Um, as of right now, we know that it is safe for SJS patients to receive the COVID-19 vaccination. Uh, there have been no known cases reported um, to the COVID-19 vaccination of Stevens Johnson Syndrome. I got mine uh, last week, my first dose, and I'm doing just fine. Um, like I said, if they want that information, it's sjsupport.org. All right. Sounds good. Thank you for doing this. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me on your show, TJ. I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Maybe at some point I told your mom I might interview her someday. She has a good story to tell. Um, but, yeah, again, thank you for doing this, and I will I will let you know. I mean, we'll keep in touch now more often, but I will, uh, I will let you know when it comes out. Sounds good to me. Thank you very much. All right. Take care. You too. Thank you. All right, bye. <clears throat> uh, hey there, guys. It's just me again. Um, there's this little stupid hiss, and it's from this new cable, but I should have just bought the really expensive one and called it a day, so we'll, we'll get that. Um, anyway, yeah, that was good. I, I, I really enjoyed that. I, I've known Julie over the years, and and you know, as I said, she's turned into something that I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know what Julie would be over the years. And um, like I said, for the good or for the bad, I I just didn't know what she would turn into. And it's it's great to see where she's at now, just being a good mom, and you know, she's basically taking the role of what her mom gave to her. Uh, so yeah, that's great. And um, 
and, and, and it, it's very surreal to see a person or, or to hear the story. And it's like telling my story in a female's, ver, you know, version of it. It's uh, kind of trippy. Because um, like 95% of that, I could say that happened to me too. Um, so, yeah, guys. Um, hope you enjoyed. And uh, like, comment, subscribe. And you know what else to do. Was there anything else to do? Uh, yeah, just go to the next episode. Keep listening. Um, yeah, so I'll see you guys on the next one. And um, yeah, love, love who you love. And, you know, make sure people know you care about them out there. Keep checking up on them and, um, you know, put some positive energy out into the world. I think that's one of the good things that I feel that I'm doing here with this is just trying to, even for all the darkness and for all the things that I say and, and, and whatever and, and, and all the stories we tell and all the, uh, you know, the, the all the shit that comes from what we say, it, some of it is really dark and, 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 and horrific, but, you know, it comes from a certain place, but... Overall, we're all the people that I've interviewed. We're all still here. We're all fighting and we're trying to make a difference. Um, so I can actually say I'm proud of myself for doing this. And uh, yeah, and, I, and, and, and same sentiment Julie said, you know, I love my mom. Appreciate everything she did for me as a kid. I wouldn't have done it, you know, wasn't able to live without her. So uh, thank you, mama. And uh, yeah, guys. So yeah, hug your mamas. And, you know, maybe your dad is, and, you know, don't let's not be sexist here. Love your daddy. If he's around, um, yeah, I, I guess that was sexist that I just said that too, huh? It's like, oh, how many guys aren't around for their children? There's plenty of good dads out there, so I uh, appreciate them. Um, yeah, and I'll see you guys on the next one. Uh, bye.